Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. State of Recruiting Podcast, your Horns 24-7 weekly recruiting podcast. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined as always by Nick Harris. And uh, we'd like to remind you guys that if you find us on uh, whatever podcast platform of your choice, be it iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, uh, that you rate and review the show. It really helps us out. A five-star review on, on iTunes gets an automatic answer in our mailbag segment, so please check that out. I also want to point you to the other great shows on our podcast network, including The Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown and The Longhorn Blitz with Jeff Howe and Rod Babers. Um, before we get into that, uh, to today's show, Nick, how's it going? Going pretty good. Uh, we were out last week, but I think we have enough content to make up for it today. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was one of those things where it was uh, dealing with stuff at home, deal with uh, the, uh, the the clock kind of ticking on signing day and, and all those types of things and just couldn't fit everything in that we needed to. So um, it is definitely a lot of content. Today's going to not be like a regular show. We're not going to have a mailbag or anything today. Uh, today's just simply going to be a signing day wrap-up show. We're going to do some news in the beginning segment to kind of talk about what happened this week, but the, the focus will mostly be on this 2021 class. Um, so before we get into that 2021 class, two big pieces of news dropped this week. The first was Tuesday. We'll start with that. Uh, as Klein Kane, 2022 running back Jaden Blue, committed to Texas. This is a guy we've been talking about for a while. I think if you follow Nick or I, we've both been talking about Texas being in a strong position uh, for Blue, and then he finally pulled the trigger. Um, Nick, I cannot recall. Were you able to see Klein Kane this year? I wasn't. I was planning on seeing them uh, against Bridgeland early in the year, uh, and then I had some car trouble and had to stay back in Dallas, and that was really the only opportunity I ever had to go see him. Uh, but I, I saw, I've seen him many times on the seven-on-seven seven, seven seven circuit, as you have as well. Yeah, we've seen him a ton there. He, you know, had a really special year on the field for Kane. He's a he's a kid who has just about everything you love in a running back. I think, um, you know, he's got the, the athleticism and, and he has the verified numbers that we love. Also, he has the production. He ran for 2,500 yards this year. You know, he catches the ball well out of the backfield. He's physical. He runs with great balance. I actually had a talk with Steve Wilfong earlier today who, who told me, you know, he thinks there's a chance that he could very well end this cycle, the top running back in the country, that he likes him that much as well. So um, I think that's a lot to like. That's a huge land for, for Steve Sarkeesian right off the bat. Yeah, I agree. I, I've kind of been on the Jaden Blue five-star campaign for a couple of months now. Um, I think he has all of those tools to, to be one of those elite players in the country. And I agree with Steve. He's, in my opinion, the top running back in the country as well. I mean, he, he just does so many things. Uh, there's not a weak part of his game. Um, I guess the only thing you could really point at is that he is only 5'10", but he makes up for it with his strength and his speed. So you never really, uh, you never really think about those things. But um, like you said, 2,500 yard a year at Klein Kane. Uh, I talked to him before the season and his goal was just to get to 2,000 and he, he more than eclipsed that. Um, he's just been super productive. He's first team everything down in the Houston area uh, and in the state. Um, and he, he doesn't have much production out of the backfield for Kane, uh, but that's just kind of a, a, a system, their system uh, at Kane. Um, but if you watch some seven on seven that uh, he's been playing with fast, they use him out of the backfield so much. They line him up in the slot. And I've seen him straight up moss some kids uh, on the seven on seven circuit, as well as at the national combine last year, he was, he was dicing them up last year at that event. So um, there hasn't been one time I've gone out and seen Jaden Blue where he wasn't a hundred percent. He's always on go and he's always at his best. And I, I think this is just such a solid land and on so many levels for Texas this early in the cycle. 
Yeah, I think um, it, it's a good way to definitely start um, start the cycle. Really, uh, st- you know, Steve Sarkeesian got it started with Armani Winfield committing basically at halftime of the national championship game, but, uh, you know, getting another one uh, to fall. And I think, you know, uh, this staff can recruit. We, we've kind of established that. Uh, they're going to be handicapped a little bit with the no visits, but I think there's some excitement back at Texas again. I think that – that um, there's a good possibility we could see this class kind of start to fill up during the spring where they get on a run and, and they're going to have to, because I mean, you know, A&M's not slowing down in Oklahoma. We know we'll always recruit well. So, um, you know, Texas is going to have to, to, to keep up with those two schools. Um, the other big piece of news, which we re- uh, broke on Horns 24 seven last night um, is the uh, news of Chris Gilbert, the Lancaster head coach becoming the new director of high school relations. Um, I, so I, I kind of want to go through what I, what that role does, because I think that people think it's a big recruiting role, which it kind of is. And it kind of isn't Chris Gilbert, isn't going to be recruiting any kids one-to-one. Um, his job is going to be basically what it sounds like to keep up relations with the high school coaches, make sure that, that Texas is always open to them and um, you know, that they feel good sending their kids there. And uh, a lot of that is done by, you know, keeping communication with them, setting up things like clinics, making sure that uh, Steve Sarkeesian and the staff gets out to the various clinics around the area or uh, like state coaching school in the summer and speaks and just basically being a PR guy for that. And what you need is somebody who can bridge that gap between the college coach and the high school coaches. And man, to me, there, there was not a better choice for the job than than Chris Gilbert. There were, there was a class of guys, if you know, a few of them that I thought that guy, that guy, and that guy would all be a tremendous hire. And, and Gilbert was at the top of that list. I think a guy who is, um, as ingrained in South Dallas as he is, he is a, a South Oak Cliff player and former head coach, uh, coaches at Lancaster now. Um, and then not to mention, he's highly, highly respected around the state of Texas. Uh, he serves on the THSCA board of directors um, and, and guys all over the place know him. And if you don't believe me, go find the tweet where I, re- I tweeted the news and then go to the quote tweets and just read the reaction we got from coaches uh, on there. It was, it, it's incredible. My phone notifications are still going off. So uh, I think a really, really savvy move by, by Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, I agree. I think this is the best possible hire he could have made uh, for that position. Uh, we know Chris Gilbert really well. Um, a lot of reporters in the DFW area know him really well. Uh, just a really good guy. I mean, if we're talking off the field, he's awesome. He's, he knows how to cook a brisket too. Uh, he's, uh, he's all over the place on Twitter, uh, a really great personality. Um, but if we're looking at what he can contribute for the Texas program, um, this is a big time voice along that I-20 corridor in DFW. That's one of the hottest recruiting areas in the country, uh, not even in the state of Texas. So um, this gives them a, a big inside into that little area of Texas. And if this uh, staff wants to recruit well, they need to recruit that area well as well. Um, there's also some pretty good uh, talent that he's been able to produce at Lancaster. Uh, if we're just kind of looking at what he's what he's been able to do as a head coach there, um, you know, he's turned that program around. Had them a state championship appearance back in the early 2010s. Uh, it's just the best possible hire that Sarkeesian could have made at this point, and I'm we're all big fans of it. Yeah, before he took over, Lancaster was a basketball and track school basically, um, and he turned them into a football school, and so. Uh, obviously a really good coach, but I also think just a really good dude and um, somebody I'm really excited for because uh, I know he's wanted to make this move for a while. He and I have talked about this a bunch of times and it's just cool to, to see. It. I told somebody, you know, I told my wife last night, I said, this is probably the fa- my favorite story I've ever broken. And it's not necessarily the biggest story, but I work so closely with the high school coaches that uh, having one that I was pretty close with and think a lot of, uh, and being able to break that story, I think, was, um, you know, probably my favorite for, for those reasons. So I'm really excited for Coach Gilbert, and um, I think that's just going to be a, a tremendous move by Steve Sarkeesian, who keeps kind of making tremendous moves, at least on paper. So um, we'll definitely see how those things work out. But, uh, yeah, a big one. All right, Nick, let's jump into the 2021 um class i think what we're going to do here is just kind of go guy by guy and do a little bit on them but before we do that what what were your thoughts do you have any overall takeaways from this cycle and they could be really about anything but um a couple of broad thoughts about this cycle for you one word bonkers uh it's not what i expected uh going into the cycle by any means 
Um, you had kind of mentioned it yesterday. We are looking up like a year ago um, uh, at signing day last year. And we had just wrapped up with uh, Alfred Collins signing day in Bastrop. And we were pretty excited about the 2021 cycle, but we had no idea what it would end up bringing, um, you know, with the pandemic, with the visit situation, um, all just kind of going to hell very quick back in March. And then um, recruiting really picking up around that time, which is something we didn't quite expect. It was just a lot of uh, unblazed trails that uh, we all had to go down during that recruiting cycle. And uh, that included the Texas staff, but it included every staff in the country. And uh, I, I think there was some, uh, the story of the cycle will always be the misses in the 2021 cycle. Uh, I think a number 17 class with the amount of in-state talent that was in the 21 cycle is definitely unacceptable. And I think that's a, a big reason you can point to, you know, why that staff is no longer around. Um, but if we're looking at what Sarkeesian was able to, Sarkeesian and his guys were able to do uh, in the month since they've been hired, uh, I, I think they wrapped up this class pretty, uh, pretty nicely. And they were able to keep all of the guys who signed LOIs back in December, uh, you know, pretty tight as well. I think that's an accomplishment in itself. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of momentum going towards to 2022 uh, based on what um, Sarkeesian and his guys were able to finish off this week. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. I think 2021 was definitely just up and down all around. Yeah, I think um, it's interesting. I, I think back to that Alfred Collins announcement and um, that was like you and I had I had agreed to hire like you had agreed to come work for us but you weren't like officially there yet. And I think, uh, you, you know, you and I spent a couple of days together here and there. Like, I, I feel like that week, I can't, I can't remember it exactly, but like, yeah, we were, yeah, I think I had come out there and I, you met me. I was it at Alfred's uh, Jersey thing that we had first started talking about uh, you coming over to work for us. And I think you met me in Bastrop at that thing. Right. Yeah, that's right. Cause that, okay. that morning I was covering Princely's, uh, signing day thing and then i met you there uh, in bastrop yeah and so um so yeah that's a one basically we'll call it almost a one-year anniversary for you nick how's uh, <laughs> uh, what would you say your experiences were on the recruiting trail in that one year definitely unexpected but i wouldn't trade it for anything yeah um for me i guess the the overwhelming theme of 21 is it's hard to not focus on COVID, you know, like how much those kids lost in, in everything and how much, it, you know, understanding how coaches could adjust to recruiting in a different way. And we could adjust to reporting in a different way and, and all those sorts of things. So I think um, 21, like I, there's certain cycles I'll always remember 2016 was a really like awesome finish to the cycle. It was like, you know, that was the year that on signing day, Texas landed Jeffrey McCulloch and Eric Fowler and Brandon Jones. And like, they were just getting good news all day. It's like, I'll never forget 16, 18, just wire to wire was an awesome class. And then 21, I'll remember probably for different reasons. Uh, but um, yeah, I think uh, it, it's, it's one, one for the books. All right, let's, uh, let's just start at the top. And what we'll do is we'll kind of go through each guy in the class and um, talk a little bit about the recruitment and what we thought of him. So uh, you got to start with the five-star in the group, Jatavian Sanders from Denton Ryan, a kid who, when I saw him as a sophomore, have like four sacks in a game against West Mesquite, I thought, okay, that kid's a future five-star. And I couldn't for the life of me figure out why it took seven or eight more months for him to pick up his first offer. And when he did, that first offer was from William and Mary. So once they started coming in, I think everybody figured it out. But um, – I have always loved Jatavian Sanders on the defensive side of the ball. I thought that was the upside. He changed my mind this year. This year, I'm he has convinced me that he is an offensive weapon. And uh, I think it, it for me, it really doesn't matter. Like, uh, get him to campus, figure it out, and, and figure out where you want to put him in a potential to maximize his abilities. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you there. And Sarkeesian said in his signing day press conference on Wednesday that, you know, they're going to give him an opportunity on both sides of the ball. And uh, our Jeff Howe kind of has a recap article of what uh, all Sarkeesian said about Jatavian Sanders there. But I think he has real potential at the next level on both sides of the ball. I, I'm really curious to see how they use him once he gets on campus in the summer. I think they'll have a better idea of how they want to use him whenever he gets on campus in the summer after spring ball. So uh, that's really exciting. But as far as what I was able to see from him, you know, during his high school days at Denton Ryan, um, just just a beast and just a force every time you go out and see him. Um, you always know who he is when he steps on the field. So 
Uh, this is definitely one of the, the premier signings that Texas has had in recent years. And I think it gets caught up in the tumultuous class that was 2021. But I think we're going to look back and be like, wow, that was one of the best, uh, best lands that Texas is able to have in the Tom Herman era, at least. Moving on, Kennedale safety, J.D. Coffey, a four-star. Um, and a guy that, no secret, I'm pretty close with. I've known the kid since his freshman year. I've got good friends on the Kennedale staff. It's, you know, 20 minutes from my house. So I'm there quite a bit. And, uh, you know, if anybody's going to ask me who's your favorite kid in the class, I'm always going to answer J.D. just because of the relationship he and I have. Uh, but I think a guy that his, uh, you know, he is a – he may not test the way everybody – you know, thinks about you testing, but he is a football player. And this kid is a, a box safety um, with, with fantastic ball skills and he will hit you. He will, he will come up and hit you. So I think he's a guy that, that could actually push for playing time right off the bat. He's already on campus. Um, He kind of fits into that Rover role in Pete Kwiatkowski's defense um, that Buda Baker, you know, played in. And I think uh, is a guy that's going to play his heart out over the next four years. I just love everything about JD coffee. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. <clears throat> um, there's a, he, he's such a baller. He's a winner. There's a JD coffee in a different dimension right now that plays on the offensive side of the ball and he wins a school, a lot of games. Um, he, he's, he's just a baller. He's always doing something to impact the game every time that I see him, whether it be on film or in person, uh, whether it be in a high school game or in, on the seven on seven circuit um, and a really good kid too. I, I think he's uh, him, his friendship with Ishmael Ibrahim was one of my favorite kind of storylines of the 2021 class you know, those two guys kind of bonding. And then those two eventually uh, are going to make it down to Austin together. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for Coffee's career. Um, he's the top safety in the state, in my opinion. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to see what he can do in Austin. Yeah, Mitch, uh, speaking of Ishmael Ibrahim, he's next on the list. Actually signed um, on signing day, the four-star corner from Dallas Kimball. Um, you know, we've talked about it, ran into some legal trouble before early signing day, was able to get that resolved um, and, you know, did a did a – uh, interview with him uh, that we ran on signing day about kind of him taking advantage of second chances and uh, and everything like that. I uh, you know Ish is a kid to me that's going to take some time. Don't expect him to to make a, an early impact. He is a long, uh, toolsy, athletic corner, but he's been in Dallas ISD and and the development there just isn't what you see in other areas of the state. So. Um, I think it's going to take some time for the new coaches to a get some weight on him and b you know, really kind of refine his game and, and turn him into what he can be. But I think what he can be is really dangerous. Yeah. Me and uh, our good friend Guy Frazier, we were doing some digging the other night on um, how many uh, Texas Longhorns have signed that are from Oak Cliff. And I think Ish, we, we thought uh, that Ishmael Ibrahim is the fifth. So uh, definitely a big accomplishment for him and his family huge fan of ish uh he's got a great personality he works hard on and off the field um i i'm really excited for him to get down to austin and be able to uh you know enter that next stage of his life um and you know be be able to build uh with his brother jd coffee um like you said i don't think he's gonna be a guy that gets a lot of early playing time i think he's gonna be a project um he's gonna have to be patient once he gets on campus i believe uh but i think he really will be a, a big time talent once he gets uh, accustomed to the Kwiatkowski defense. Um, and, and learns under that system. Uh, I'm definitely really excited for his future as well. All right, next on the list uh, from Pasadena, California, John Muir uh, is Jameer Johnson. I think I'm the only guy that's seen him because uh, California didn't play this year. He didn't have film. And I actually saw him at Pylon Vegas almost a year ago. So, um, you know, Jameer, what I saw there was a guy who really fit what, what Chris Ash was looking for, a long corner jam and, and press at the line of scrimmage, a guy who's not afraid to be physical, uh, good feet, really aggressive. And, um, you know, it was it was funny. He um, I, I mentioned this a couple of times, but when I was at that tournament, you know, you talk to out-of-state kids and you get a feel for who really cares about Texas and who's giving you lip service and who really, you know, is interested. And I walked away and I think I wrote, like, he, he's the only guy that I talked to that I think has a real interest in Texas. It turns out, you know, they were able to land him. Um, he is a guy that didn't didn't talk a lot, doesn't do a lot of social media, um, never wavered. You know, I mean, it was kind of locked in from the beginning. And now he's on campus and workouts. So uh, Jameer Johnson joining Ishmael Ibrahim is the other corner in the class. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can contribute just because he's kind of a, a you know, a question mark at this point since he, he wasn't able to play in his senior season. 
But um, from looking at what our guys out West were able to say about him whenever he was playing and then the reviews you had whenever you came back from Pylon Vegas and, and just talking about him around the time of his commitment. Um, he's definitely somebody that, uh, you know, I'm interested in. Like he's going to be a lockdown corner. Uh, I think he's a guy that, you know, may be able to see some uh, playing time uh, next year, especially now that he's going to be in spring ball as well. So uh, definitely really excited for his future. And he passed up the opportunity to play in a senior season to uh, come and roll early in Austin. So um, that's, uh, that's definitely encouraging, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do. All right, next on the list from New Caney High School, Derek Harris. Um, kind of another guy that, you know, when he committed to Texas was on the rise as a linebacker prospect. Uh, since that time, I think has probably morphed into more of an edge guy, which I really think this defense fits. But, you know, he's been locked in since the moment he committed uh, almost, I, I guess, a year and a half ago, um, right around the time Jalen Milrow, excuse me, committed. Um Derek is a, you know, we didn't get to see a senior season because he got hurt pretty early on in the year. Um, he's not your traditional off-ball linebacker, but I do think he can be a guy who factors in um, as an edge rusher in this program. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to see what he can do, uh, you know, post-injury. Um, he wasn't able to play a lot in his senior year uh, because, of, because of that knee injury. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to get on campus and nurse that a bit. And then I, I'm curious to see what role he can play in that quick housekey defense. I think I think they can definitely be a little bit versatile with him and, you know, put him in some different options to see where he'll succeed best. And uh, he's definitely a name to keep an eye on moving forward. We hope you're enjoying this week's episode of The State of Recruiting. We'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I've said earlier on in the show that J.D. Coffey was like my favorite guy in the class. And it, we, it's true. We have a long relationship. But I think Jordan Thomas ranks on my favorites like of all time uh, to deal with the, uh, the Port Arthur Memorial defensive end. I've told the story a couple of times. I was down in Port Nature seeing Jalen Garth a couple of years ago and thought I would just pop on over to Memorial since it was like five minutes away. And I couldn't, I, I could, to that point, could not get Jordan Thomas to answer me when I wanted to request an interview. So I didn't know what I was dealing with. And when I got there, just meeting him, his incredible energy that he plays with and just kind of lives life with uh it, it rubs off and talking to him you just can't help but have a huge smile on your face i've tweeted a billion times i think texas fans are going to love jordan thomas because that is a kid who plays with his motor on high the entire time he is a bit um unrefined he needs some growth he's going to have to be taught how to play the position use his hands all those sorts of things but you'll never have an issue with effort with this kid. Yeah, he's an absolutely psychotic competitor. I think that was the words that we came away with whenever he saw, we saw him at a camp um, back in, I believe it was May. And that was the first time we had seen him since he came off his ACL injury in his junior season. Um, he's just always 100%. He's always on go. Um, and the funny story I like to tell about Jordan Thomas is when we were at that camp, it was really hot that day. Um, there was a lot of, you know, big time offensive linemen and defensive linemen in the Houston area at this camp. And, uh, you know, Jordan, he was winning some reps, but he was also losing some reps. It was definitely a, you know, a very competitive day, but they were taking a little bit of a water break and, you know, everyone else is drinking water, like off to the side. And Jordan Thomas was running suicides up and down the field. <laughs> and I, I nudged to Mike. I was like, you see this? And he just shook his head. Uh, that's just kind of the kid Jordan Thomas is, but he's a, he's a fantastic kid. 
um, he's definitely going to be somebody you see on uh, on social media in the next few years doing some crazy stuff on the field. Uh, I, I'm really excited. He, he's he's probably my favorite kid in the class if I had to point to one. Yeah, he'll get there for workouts and like there'll be guys puking on the sideline. He'll probably just be begging for more. So that'll <laughs> be fun to see. Um, next, another you know guy kid we love. Uh, from Shadow Creek High School, Terrence Cooks, a linebacker, uh, Texas pursuit throughout the year. We really got to know him early on, and uh, man, I'm just uh, what a what a magnetic kid, a great smile, great personality, and I think has his best football is in front of him. You know, he he didn't get to play a ton as a junior. He played injured with a broken hand for most of his senior year, um, but athleticism through the roof, a guy who can run and tackle and all those sorts of things. Um, I think, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this with the next guy as well, but I think Texas really capitalized on their linebacker class. Yeah, absolutely. I think they had the, the best linebacker class in the state of Texas um, or, and probably in the region. Um, Terrence Cooks, one of my favorite kids in the class as well, uh, took a long time with his recruitment. Um, his family, they all just wanted to make sure that, you know, that he was making the right decision. And um, I think Texas was always kind of the leader there and you know, education is a big priority for that family as well. He's going to go major in biochemistry. Uh, he's really excited about that as well. He's already on campus and he's getting to work. Uh, I'm really excited to see, you know, what Cooks can do on the 40 acres. Um, next, joining him in that linebacker class from Arlington Martin, Maurice Blackwell, four-star prospect. Um, I love Blackwell. I think Blackwell could end up being the best player out of this class. I really do. I think that he is the prototype for what you want in a linebacker. And um, he has been super productive. I mean, this is a kid that's 150 tackle a year kid every year. We saw him this year. He played linebacker, safety, and corner at times. He's big. He's long. He can run. He, he plays violent. He's not afraid to take on blocks. I think that this kid is perfect for spread offenses in the Big 12. Yeah, I agree. He can do just about anything you ask of him uh, on the defensive side of the ball. And he was even able to do some things on the offensive side of the ball for Martin this year. Not saying he's going to do that at the next level, but it kind of shows his athleticism and his willing to willingness to compete. Um, I, I was only able to see him a couple of times this year, uh, but I came away just really impressed both times. He's always in on the play. And I think that's something you'll you'll see whenever he starts getting some significant playing time with Texas is that, uh, you know, every time there's a there, there's a tackle happening, Blackwell's going to be at least three to five yards away if he's not the one making the tackle. Um, so he's just uh, another really fierce competitor. Um, one of my favorite linebackers in the state, uh, top three at least, and he's probably not three or two. Um, uh, definitely excited about Blackwell. All right. Uh, next on the list, already also already on campus. Man, that's another takeaway. Is there's a lot of early enrollees uh, on this on this roster um, or in this class. I mean, almost half the class enrolled early, and that's that's big. Um, from Monarch in Pompano Beach, Florida, Jaden Alexis, kind of a surprise guy that came out of nowhere in the summer. Um, but, you know, was a guy that Texas was really comfortable with taking regardless of him not visiting. You know, they loved the kind of the player makeup. He was a, a obviously very good player. He's a sub 10, a sub 1100 guy receiver. He's got some good film, uh, but was also a class president, a guy that they thought was a really good character guy um, and, and a big reason why they felt comfortable taking him without knowing him that well. Um, Alexis kind of never blinked uh, after committing, you know, I mean, he just was kind of silent and showed up in Austin, uh, you know, on, on move-in day. And I think, I think the same day Steve Sarkeesian was introduced, Jaden Alexis showed up. So uh, he's got to be excited as a guy who can really do some things in space with the ball. Yeah, wide receiver recruiting was definitely really weird in the 2021 cycle. If I had to point to a position group that was, you know, um, more misses than the offensive line group, I would probably say the wide receiver group. Uh, just because there was a lot of in-state talent that Texas wasn't able to pull. Uh, they were only able to pull one in-state commit. But I think they did a really good job in uh, identifying Jaden Alexis and being able to pull in that that commitment. Like you said, a uh, sub-11 guy in the 100 meter. Um, he's going to he's going to show off that blazing speed. And um, I, I'm really I'm really excited to see what he can do as far as filling his frame out and where he's going to play, uh, you know, at receiver, whether it be inside or out. Um, I think he's going to be really versatile and they're going to be able to play with him quite a bit. Next on the list, a guy who probably put up the most headlines this year. He got to start the earliest because he was a small school. He made probably the biggest bang in the playoffs. Um Man, Jonathan Brooks, what a year. The Hallettsville running back got his fourth star after a historic year on the field. Uh, really, 
showed off what he could do a a smooth runner fantastic vision incredible balance has just about everything we were looking for except for the breakaway speed and i think that that was kind of the question that continued to loom but at the small school level and i know people question his competition to me when you're looking at a kid he can only do what he can do against that competition you know kids aren't they don't get to make the choice where they're born so do those kids dominate at that level? And, and Jonathan Brooks was the definition of domination, even in the state final game that Hallettsville lost, but Jonathan Brooks still won the offensive MVP. Yeah, just a, a dominant player. Um, I, I think you can kind of see how Texas fans feel about him when, uh, whenever Texas um, missed out on um, LJ Johnson on National Signing Day, uh, which was kind of expected uh, in the final few days of that recruitment, you know, fans on the board were like, it's all good. We have Jay Brooks. And, um, you know, I kind of feel the same way. I think Texas fans should feel that way. Uh, Jonathan Brooks has had a huge senior year. Um, yeah, I expected a big senior year out of him, but not those kind of numbers. Uh, I mean, he was setting state records. Uh, I went out and saw him three times this year. Uh, the first time I saw him was in a week three matchup against Ganado. And uh, he just dominated in that game. And I remember calling Mike on the way home. And I was like, you know, I don't know what a four star is, but I'm pretty sure this kid's one of them. <laughs> and uh, before the end of the year, he was able to do that. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really thrilled for what he can do. Um, you know, he was a kid we kind of worried about late in the cycle, but uh, and Oklahoma was pushing late in the cycle. And I think they probably, uh, you know, would have offered if they thought he'd flip. But um, he stayed loyal um, and he's going to he's going to come to the 40 acres. And he's also got a couple of cousins that are underclassmen at Shiner uh, that Texas is keeping tabs on. So that's always something to keep an eye on. All right, next on the list from Katie Taylor High School, one of the – actually, he would be the longest-tenured commit in this class following Jalen Lillrow's decommitment. Uh, Hayden Connor, who uh, picked Texas in a surprise way, I think the day after Milrow committed, uh, with one of the more memorable uh, recruiting videos if you're a nerd who loves comic book movies. I'm not, so I didn't really know what it was about. But um, I'm Hayden, fired. <laughs> Look, I mean, uh, you know, I our friend Guy was like, oh, it's the greatest comment or commitment video of all time. I'm like, I guess if you know what it's about. I don't really watch comic book movies. But Hayden is a nerd, like, and he'll tell you that. He's the definition of a dork. Like, he, if he was not six foot six, 320 pounds, I, I mean, I think he would probably get bullied. He loved, I mean, the kid loves space and superheroes and things like that. And that's cool because I, I really love how, um, you know, comfortable in his own skin Hayden is. Uh, he's a guy that blew up early, man. Like, you know, he was a, a kid that I think I, those kids always, it's, it's always to the detriment when somebody becomes on the scene, like as a freshman, even an eighth grader is when we started really to hear about Hayden and, you know, I was talking about this with somebody the other day, and I think this is going to happen to Quinn Ewers at some point. Um, when you get a lot of acclaim early, all that happens is you have room for people to nitpick your game for three years, uh, three to four years. And so I think that's kind of what happened to Hayden. Maybe he topped out a little early. Uh, you know, maybe he got a little too big. I think still at, at Hayden's uh, floor, he's still a very solid player who's going to play with a lot of great effort. I think he's a guy who can play tackle or guard, uh, depending um, and you know, I think he's, he's still a guy who's going to contribute and at least, you know, maybe be a starter one or two years on the team at, at the very worst for him. Yeah. I'm a huge fan of Hayden Connor. Um, he's a great kid, but if we're even talking, if we're just talking on the field performance, I have never seen a, a high school offensive line. And I don't think I will ever see a high school offensive line as dominant as Taylor's this past year with him and Bryce Foster and at times throwing Dylan Spencer in on a tight end package and just letting the running back run, walk to the end zone from 50 yards out. Um, dominant offensive lineman. And I think he's, he's, he really showed a, a lot of good things this year in a senior year. Um, I, I personally believe he's a four-star guy. Uh, I'm a big fan of Hayden Connor. Um, and I'm, I'm really excited to see what he can do at Texas on the field and off the field. Um, he's in a really, uh, um, elite program uh, education program in the aerospace uh, program at Texas. Um, it's one of the most coveted in the country. So I'm excited to see what he can do there. And um, <laughs> it's always funny because uh, I, I remember a conversation I had with our good friend, Mike Craven over at the Statesman about Hayden Connor. And uh, it was at a game that we were watching Connor together. He was like, you know, I, I really think he could be an astronaut if he wasn't 320 pounds. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I'm not sure I was going to make that work, uh, but I'm excited to see how he can. Yep. Uh, and, and if nothing else, just a great kid. He's actually been on our podcast. So um, 
you can go back and find that somewhere in the podcast archives from last spring and, and just kind of hear what kind of Cape Hayden is. Um, my other, like one of my favorite acquisitions of this class, Byron Murphy from DeSoto, defensive tackle, three-star kid, four-star on 24-7, three-star on the composite. Um, really, that kid's got a five-star game, but I think that the six-foot-one, 290-pound frame is what kept a lot of people leery of him. If you watch DeSoto play, you notice Byron Murphy. I mean, he on a line next to studs, I mean, playing next to Shamar Turner, I thought Murphy was consistently the best player on that on that line all year long. Um, he's incredibly disruptive. He's incredibly strong in his upper body, so he can push pockets vertically. And he's just an animal on the field. Like, he really gets after it. He's got a motor that matches a lot like Jordan Thomas's. And, you know, double, triple team, whatever the case, he'll, he'll try to fight through it and get to the quarterback. Yeah, I, I just said Katie Taylor probably had the best offensive line I've seen on the high school level ever. And um, I'm going to have to say DeSoto probably had the best defensive line um, I've probably ever seen at the high school level. Uh, they were just super dominant this year, with, not even with just Byron Murphy and uh, Shamar Turner. You know, they had other guys that had double digit sacks on the year. I think altogether they uh, accounted for over 50 sacks on the season. Uh, it was just ridiculous. I saw them in their uh, first round playoff game against Killeen Shoemaker. Um, and altogether, they accounted for 17 tackles for loss. And um, I believe Byron had 10 in that game. Um, he's a huge, huge force uh, on the interior. Um, while he does lack height, he makes it up with strength and a ton of strength. Um, he's one of the strongest high school kids I've ever seen. Um, and he's a really good kid, too. I, I think he's got a, you know, a big motor as well. Um, I, I really think a, a defensive line with him, Jordan Thomas, and Jatavian Sanders, we can just talk those three, not even mentioning the guys that, you know, have been landed in previous recruiting classes or the ones that could be in future recruiting classes. Just those three alone would be scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about another guy to add to that mix. Uh, made his decision on signing day, David Aviara from Mansfield Legacy, a longtime Notre Dame commit. Texas tried to flip him back in the summer, um, and, and it sounded like Oklahoma may actually be a position, but Texas kind of waited it out. Aviara had not a down senior year. He just didn't make another jump, and I think people kind of forgot about him, but still a really strong player, uh, long, athletic, can run. And uh, it's, it's funny, Nick. I, I, you know, you know how these ceremonies are. Recruiting is so much secrecy. I walked into the Legacy Fieldhouse uh, 40 minutes before he made his decision, and there were like Longhorn graphics up everywhere. And uh, Mike Craven was actually there. So he, he beat me to there. And I walked in. I was like, oh, I guess we're not doing any surprises today, huh? And so uh, no, no real intrigue with his decision at all. But um, I think an awesome late ad for Texas on this defense. Yeah, I agree. Um, whenever you get a signing day win, whether it be three-star, four-star, five-star, that's a, that's a big plus, especially with this um, – being able to land a commit after, um, you know, this coaching turnover, uh, being able to, uh, you know, secure a guy, um, you know, who Texas was, you know, kind of flirting with beforehand and being able to land him on signing day. I think that's a big win in itself, no matter who it is. Um, but talking about ABR himself, uh, I think he's going to be a project at the next level. I think he's going to, they're going to have to do some work on him um, in his first couple of years. But I think this is a guy with a really high ceiling and uh, could end up being a, re a real big time ball player uh, at Texas. Yeah, I think Project is right, um, but I really love the tools he has to work with. I do think he's a guy that uh, probably got a little unfairly dropped in the rankings, in my opinion. Um, Keith Ron Lee from Brian Rudder High School was a late addition, was a commitment on Christmas Day. Uh, a guy who is built like a slot receiver, uh, but plays like an outside receiver, a ball winner in the air. Nick, you were at Rudder for the, the signing ceremony. What can you tell us about Keith Ron? Yeah, I was uh, made the trip down to Brian to uh, see his signing day ceremony yesterday. Um, uh, definitely kind of a quiet kid, but he has a huge family, and they were all really supportive of uh, of him going to Texas, even though he's in uh, Aggie country down there in the Brian College Station area. But um, you know, he's a guy with a lot of speed, and I was talking to his coach, um, you know, uh, during the during the ceremony. And um, he was like, you know, I don't like to throw these kind of names around, but, you know, Keith Ron reminds me of the Devontae Smiths of the Tyree Kills of the world. 
And, uh, you know, I can see what he's saying. I mean, Keithron Lee came in and the, the Rudder High School built their entire offense around him and what he was able to do. Uh, he played running back for them. He played wide receiver for them. At times he played quarterback. On the defensive side of the ball, he played safety, corner, at times linebacker. Um, you know, this kid was all over the field and he's a, he's a competitor. And I, I, I think the, um, uh, the number one quality of his game is uh, being able to separate from the defender deep down the field. Uh, I mean, his speed just really jumps out at you on film. Um, I, I think he's going to be really interesting in a Sarkeesian offense. I think this is a, a kid with a really high ceiling as well. I think we could look up three, four years from now and be like, wow, what a land late in the cycle. Yeah, we'll definitely see. They're going to have to develop these guys. I mean, I, I, I know when we do these signing day things, it's like we're talking, look, we're, these are kids and we like to focus on their positives. We'll certainly tell you about the negatives. We like to focus on their positives. If it seems like we're telling you every kid on this list is great. I, I promise we're not telling you that every kid's going to work out. They've got to have to develop them, but there are, you know, all these kids have the tools to develop. And when you talk about tools and upside and raw ceiling, Juan Davis from Everman, I mean, a guy that's six, four, two twenty, plays quarterback can move the way he does uh, coming on his tight end. I think he's kind of another X factor that if he could be developed into something is, is a dangerous weapon in the future. You know, I told the story in our behind the scenes article, which is up at, at Horns 24 seven. If you haven't read it, he, uh, he will forever be one of my favorites because he gave me the, the easiest commitment story of all time. I literally asked him, Hey, when are you going to visit Texas? And he said next week, and then I'm going to commit to them. And I said, okay, can we just do the story now then? And he said, sure. So uh, shout out to Juan Davis for that. But uh, go and see an Everman practice or a game, and you can tell who the dude is on the field, and that's Juan Davis. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I went and saw Everman uh, once this year. It was on a Thursday night against Cleburne. Um, and he was, he, was the, he was the man of the night. Uh, he was doing everything uh, for Everman on the offensive side of the ball. And he's just a ton of fun. Um, I highly recommend uh, Texas fans going and giving his film a watch. It's, it's a lot of fun to watch. And, you know, I really think he's a guy that'll get early playing time. I think he'll get some early playing time even ahead of some of these four-star guys um, just because he can, he can serve such a, a multitude of roles, whether it be at tight end uh, or at receiver. And, um, you know, I haven't heard anything about him being on the defensive side of the ball, but he definitely has some skills to, to be able to do that. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to see what Juan can do uh, at the next level. And I think he's a, he's a guy that's definitely going to be able to contribute a lot. All right. Um, next on the list, a guy you saw, Nick, when you made the trip out to Colorado this year, uh, Gunnar Helm, the tight end Texas got during the, the uh, summer, I believe. I'm trying to think back to when he committed. I think it was the summer. Uh, 6'5", 225, a three-star prospect. Had a lot of big-time offers. Nick, I've only been able to see the film. I'm going to hand this one over to you. You were able to see him live. Yeah, um, really big kid, um, He, but he runs really fluidly, and uh, he's a really great route runner. Um, you know, I think this is a kid that can come on the program and, you know, really kind of turn some heads as to, you know, what the skills, his skill set and what he has. Um, he's really quick. He, he blocks really well in, uh, in the uh, run game. Um, and like I said in the past game, they line him up uh, at tight end, in the slot, out wide. Uh, you can kind of do a lot of things with Gunnar Helm. I, I think he's going to be a really – you know, a prototype big 12 tight end, and he's going to be able to serve that role for Steve Sarkeesian. Um, I'm really excited to see what he can do as well. Uh, from New Orleans, Holy Cross uh, was a commitment on the first signing day, Baron Sorrell, 6'3", 250, a three-star defensive, uh, defensive end, probably pushes inside to tackle at the next level. I think a guy who has been, um, you know, he had some, some offers that, uh, I think when you look at them, those are traditional, hey, we're going to take this type of body and turn that guy into a player, schools that produce well. So that's always a good indicator. Um, Sorrell was just, for Texas, another guy they could throw on the interior and have him develop. I think he's got, he plays with a pretty good motor as well. And I think that's a, a really strong recurring theme with their defensive line takes is they're all good motor guys. Um, and if you, you really can't teach the motor, uh, you can't motivate a guy who's lazy. So I think if you can get a guy who plays with consistent effort, you can teach him kind of the technique. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Baron Sorrell is another kind of question mark on, you know, what he, what he's going to be able to bring uh, to Texas, but um, you know, being able to land him on the early signing day. And uh, there's just, there's a lot of defensive linemen in this class. They're definitely trying to get numbers in this class. And even the new staff was trying to get numbers and adding um, uh, ABR and adding the transfer from, from Notre Dame. Um, so, uh, you know, I'm excited to see who kind of rises as, as far as like the, the cream to the top type ordeal. Uh, I think Baron Sorrell could uh, certainly be one of those guys. 
Uh, also from New Orleans, Warren Easton High at receiver Casey Kane, 6'2", 175. Uh, a guy that I can remember last spring, Texas getting on the same day they got Jonathan Brooks. And the fan base melting down a little bit about those takes. I kind of always said about Casey Kane, if he's your fourth take in a class and he's a guy that you get at the end, you're probably kind of excited about the tools. Unfortunately for Texas, you know, he was <laughs> kind of their primary guy before Alexis and, and Lee came along. Um, the good about him is, you know, the frame, the ball skills. I did was able to watch like a, his last game in high school on YouTube. And, you know, he is a kid that plays the ball really well in the air. He's not super fast, but he, he does fit that big frame on the outside. And, and I think a guy who can, you know, move the chains and, you know, at his best is going to be a, a contributor on offense. Yeah, like you said, frame and ball skills. Those are the two things that kind of jump out to me as well. Um, uh, I, I, he's, he's definitely going to be a project, but I, I do love his frame, 6'2", 175. Um, uh, that's definitely encouraging, and I, I think he's definitely going to be the, the outside guy the, that we look back on on this class as far as like playing outside. Um, he's he's going to be a project as well. I think he's going to take a couple of years to you know, get, uh, get bigger, get stronger. Um, you know, get accustomed to that offense. But if there's a, if there's any program that can do it, I think it'd be a Sarkeesian offense. Up next on the list from Austin High, Charles Wright, the pro style quarterback, uh, three star, six one one ninety four. He was kind of the last minute addition when Texas lost out on Jalen Milrow. They made a move on a guy they knew they could get, um, but who I think does have a good skill set to build on. I think that Charles Wright. Um, you know, had a really good senior year, has been a three-year starter at Austin High, uh, throws a good ball, is accurate with it, can move around a little bit. I think he's he's definitely a guy um, that you'd love to have in the program. If anything, he's a program guy who comes in and, you know, maybe has to start a game or two or, or even a stretch of games. But um, at, at his, you know, at his best, I think he's a guy that could start for one or two years. Yeah, he's an absolute legend at Austin High. Um, I went and saw Austin High against Lake Travis back in 2018. It was uh, out at House Park, the uh, beautiful high school facility down down there in downtown Austin. And uh, <laughs> Mike's not a fan of it. I don't. I, I just don't get it. It's their parking situation, and the fact that it is impossible to get a hold of somebody there to get credentials. That is true. I did have to show up and be like, hey, can I go on the field? They gave, they gave me some hell, but I was able to make it on the field. But that was his sophomore season. And he really jumped out to me in that game, even though they got blown out by Hudson Card and Garrett Wilson. Um, and I always kind of kept tabs on him, saw that he committed to Iowa State. I thought that was a good fit. And uh, I, I thought it was really awesome that he was able to, uh, you know, flip to Texas after the uh, Jalen Milrow decommitment. Um, and he's going to be able to sign with uh, his longtime favorite school. But he's a legend when you talk about Austin High School kids. He's probably the biggest Austin High School grad since Vern Lundquist. I mean, this guy is – you ask any Austin Maroon and they'll tell you they're, uh, they're in love with Charles Wright. Um, he's just a great kid. He was able to do a lot for them uh, off and on the football field. He is fantastic. And shout out to Charles' grandpa, who I talked to a lot at the Dallas Lunch Bunch, uh, the Texas Lunch Bunch. And I, I've told the story before, but I used to get a million questions about Charles when I went there. And I was like, hey, guys, you know, I love Charles, but they've got Jalen Milrow. They're just not going to take another kid. So, you know, when Charles committed, I think I remember going back in there and being like, OK, let's talk about Charles now. So uh, great kid, great family. I, I really like, you know, obviously the ranking isn't there for what people want. I think he is a little better than the ranking says he is. Um, but I also think that, you know, for the situation they found themselves in after losing Jalen Milrose about as good as you could do. You have to remember at the time, you know, they thought, well, we've got Quinn Ewers coming in the next class anyways. So um, that kind of changed the geometry of everything from straight Jesuit Max Merrill an offensive tackle six four two seventy three, a three-star prospect. Um, I think I've well, it's been well documented here how much of a failure I thought this offensive line recruiting class was. I think out of all the guys that Texas tried to pivot to, be it the Ryan Lingels and the Jack Layers of the world, I thought that Max Merrill was the best option out of those guys. I really did. Now, he may not stay at tackle. I'm not sure he's 6'4". Uh, he may be an interior guy, but I did go out and see them play against Shadow Creek earlier in the year. He's mobile. He's aggressive. He's strong. He does just about everything you like. Um, Max Merrill, I think, is a guy that that – could provide a surprise in this class. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I was never never able to see Max in person, but, um, you know, he was a guy who uh, I was sent his film uh, back in September, I believe. It was probably about a month or so 
before he committed. I, I believe that would have been around September. And, uh, you know, I really liked what I saw. Um, he has that big frame, but I think he is more of like an inside guy, maybe at guard. Um, you were talking about those secondary options. Yeah, he is better than the – I think he was better than the Ryan Langells and the – uh, of the world. I, I think Jacoby Jackson may have made a case uh, to possibly be a, a little bit better than Max as far as uh, tackle options. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I like Mad Max. I'm excited to see what he can do at the next level as well. All right. And finally, we weren't going to leave him out. Um, the, from Pro Kick Australia, the punter, Isaac Pearson, he calls us mate every time I, every time I text him or anything. Uh, so I, I really enjoy that. I look, I don't, I don't know a ton about his game. He's never kicked in a game um, and pro kick. They just kick in camp over and over and over. That's kind of what they do. But pro kick has been really good to Texas. And I think it's probably a no brainer to go get him. I, I think this is a good opportunity to just kind of explain the, the whole, um, you know, mission of pro kick. I think it's really cool. Uh, you know, Isaac is a, I believe he's 23 years old, correct? Yeah. Yeah. He's older than me. So um, he, uh, he comes from the mines of Australia. He was working in the mines um, he wanted to get an education in America. So he went to pro kick and got a full scholarship out of it. I think it's really freaking awesome. Um, you know, one of my dreams one day is to make a, 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 um, a trip out down under for a vacation and swing by pro kick, just to kind of see what they do and you know what their program is like. Uh, and Isaac's an awesome kid. Uh, every time there was a commit on Twitter, uh, he was, uh, you know, post hyping it up at three o'clock in the morning, our time uh, when no one was seeing it. And then the next morning he'd probably have like six or seven likes, but uh, I'm a huge fan of Isaac and a great kid. And um, uh, looking forward to him being the next uh, specialist guru uh, at Texas. All right. And that is the class. Um, I think uh, in the books, there's still, you know, maybe three or four scholarships left. Those could be used in the transfer portal, JUCO, something like that. But uh, this is pretty much it, the class. And Nick, we'll talk about uh, before we get out of here. Uh, so I'm going on vacation this weekend. Nick has the wheel um, for the rest of the week next week. So y'all please be nice to Nick. There will be no podcast, obviously, because I will be on vacation. Uh, but when we come back, we'll, we'll get really jumping into to 22 and, and what we think everything looks like there. Uh, Nick, anything to add before we get out of here? Now, just excited for this 2022 cycle. Uh, looking forward to uh, burning down the ship next week while you're out. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you're going to do a great job. All right, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We'll see you guys next week. After the Equalizer. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. It's the season finale. Everyone's looking for something. Of Tracker. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. And you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. CBS season finale Sunday after the Equalizer on CBS and streaming on Paramount+.